You are listening to The Mystical Positivist. I'm your host, Stuart Goodnick. Joining me is co-host Rob Schmidt. This week on the show, we converse in the studio with Professor Antonio Ramirez Hernandez, a faculty member of the California Institute of Integral Studies, where his interests include gender studies, especially concerning masculine identities, the psychological impacts of culture on individuals and families, and transpersonal psychology, including shamanic healing practices. We'll get started with that show after a short musical break, musical interludes on this show are from a CD called Round Midnight, performed by the 12 cellists of the Berlin Philharmonic. This piece is a spiritual called Deep River. This is The Mystical Positivist, a radio show dedicated to the application of reason and the pursuit of spiritual practice and development. It consists of commentary, book reviews, interviews, and discussion in and around the local and larger spiritual community. The thesis of the show is that rationality is in no way the antithesis of deep mystical experience. In fact, we assert that it is a necessary ally. 
I'm your host, Stuart Goodnick. Joining me is co-host Rob Schmidt, director of Taiyu Meditation Center and co-founder with myself and Jim Wilson of Mini Rivers Books and Tea in Sebastopol. Great to be here. This week on the show, we converse in the studio with Professor Antonio Ramirez Hernandez, a faculty member at the California Institute of Integral Studies. He holds a master's degree in psychology with a concentration in drama therapy and a doctoral degree in clinical psychology, both from CIIS. Antonio is nationally and internationally recognized for creating a methodology for working with Latino men to teach them how to stop violence to their partners. His academic interests include gender studies, especially concerning masculine identities, the psychological impacts of culture on individuals and families, and transpersonal psychology, including shamanic healing practices. So, Professor Hernandez, welcome to The Mystical Positivist. Thank you for the invitation. It's a, I'm very happy to be here with you all. Awesome. Well, we're delighted to have you, of course. And we'll begin uh, with the question we ask all our first-time uh, guests, and that is to invite you to um, cast your memory, cast your mind back into your memory of uh, um, childhood and youth, and um, find there any experiences that, um, in looking back, you could say prefigured some of the directions that your later work in life um, and, and the issues we'll be talking about later in the conversation uh, uh, pointed towards. Sure. Um, well, I was born in Mexico City, mm-hmm. and as uh, you know, Mexico is a very, very Catholic country, so I started to uh, go to church, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I thought it was very nice to have some kind of a, a grounding, a, a way of feeling uh, sp- the spirit, the whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so... One, I at, at the time I I thought I wanted to be a priest because mm-hmm. that was the, the what I knew. Yeah. Um. But then I started to be an altar boy, and um, I started to watch priests, and for some reason I I cannot tell you why or how, I was probably seven eight years old. I knew that spirituality involved some kind of energy, universal energy. Hmm. So I I thought, okay, um, if there is such a thing, I need to see how the priests really connect to the universe when they consecrate the, the host. host. Um, so I watched and watched, and I saw that it was kind of an act like anything else, right? Mm-hmm. So it didn't have depth. Mm-hmm. Of course, at eight years of age, I didn't put it that way, right? Well, of course not. But uh, but I'm I, I I understand that you know children. I think can see things that they, they later learn not to see. Yeah. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, it was much later that I understood the, the meaning of that experience, but mm-hmm. it was clear in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also another experience that was even more dramatic for me. That was when I did my first communion. Mm. I did my first communion, and it, I was very happy. My mother was extremely happy. Um, well, I have to say something here in the middle, that I'm the only child. Ah. Uh, so now that sets me apart yeah. from most families in Mexico, right? Um, so my parents were delighted that I, I, I like to go to church and so on. Um, 
And one day, a few weeks after I did my first communion, and we, I was walking, uh, we were walking back, my mom and I were walking back to the house, holding hands, and she said something that was very interesting. She said, do you feel that internal peace? And all of a sudden, this white light came to me. Hmm. So I was in an ecstatic state immediately after she said that. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of walking, uh, and it was moving in, in slow motion, kind of. Hmm. Everything was clear. Everything was beautiful. It was an incredible experience that lasted, what, three minutes? How old were you? Probably six, seven I don't know. Seven is usually. I mean, in the in the U.S., I know seven is the age when most kids are first communicants. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, of course, we got home. I started to play and forgot all about it. I never ta said anything to anybody about this experience because mm -hmm. I thought, okay, that's cool. You know, it's, it's it is what it is. Um, so I I started to grow up and. Uh, <laughs> of course, my family had its dysfunctions like any other family. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so I decided that I wanted to be different. I didn't want to, to be constricted but by what I saw. But then I didn't have any alternative. So I became very rebellious. Um, so at age 12... Around, um, I I got enrolled in a military school uh, after uh, elementary school, mm -hmm. um, and that was a horrible experience, but it was good because it taught me uh, really how violent the world was. Mm. So I was there for three years, and after three years, I just couldn't stand it anymore. I had flashbacks, I had PTSD, it was uh, wow. horrible. Wow. That's, uh, that sounds like a pretty intense school. It was. It was very violent. Mm. So I thought, okay, this is not the way. So so where do I find something? So you can see that moving away from, from, from the church and moving up in age, the confusion was even greater. Sure. So the, I, I tried then to, to, to use my mind because I, I met an uncle and literally I met him at that time because he was lost um, in, um, in alcoholism like most mm. of my f uh, father's family, mm. including my father. Um, so when I met this uncle, uh, he started to give me a frame for how to grow. He was in AA already, mm -hmm. so so it was uh, he he saw uh, his uh, nephews and nieces that we d we didn't have good role models. So he became one of those role models. I'm the oldest of those of the relatives of my of my cousins and and and, and uh, so 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 I I created a very strong uh, contact with him, mm -hmm. and he he actually gave me a frame to, to work, uh, to be able to be different from my family. Mm. Now, at, age, at, at this point in time, age 15, I started to, to go to his house and read his books. And he had a lot of books about existentialism, Nietzsche, and Sartre. So I just take these books and I started to read this stuff, as many teenagers do, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
But then I became very rational, and that was the end of, of any spirituality to me. Hmm. So once I got to high school, I was think, okay, the mind is going to save me here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I went. I got to the, to university, and uh, I became a total rationalist. I, I wanted to have logic. I, want, I wanted to have. Uh, clarity about how things worked and so on. So my uh, my mother would go away when she f didn't feel well. She went away to somewhere and they came back with little bags of herbs and I would say mother science you know <laughs> you need to you need to really go to a doctor you know so wow, leave me alone right poor mom <laughs> uh, well, she's not the only mom with a rebellious teenager. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so I got to university, met uh, someone, and um, and she came back to to the United States. She was white from the United States, and um, she came back to 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 study at uh, in Santa Cruz. So. Um, it was a time when I was finishing the university there. I studied psychology in Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, so I came. I I, I said, you know, I, I'm. I was making music uh, already because I'm also a musician. Uh, so I was playing in churches for whole things, right, and making good money. Frankly, I mean, hmm. for, for, for really? six weddings in the Saturday ah. was a good money. So I could support myself with that. It was awful, but uh, hearing the same speeches in, in, oh, in see, churches and and how they tr uh, they treated me was hmm. horrible. But um, so I came. I came over. Um, I started to to adjust to the culture, and I got my first job in 1981. Immediately after I I uh, arrived, um, so it was in a psychiatric halfway house in Salinas. Mm -hmm. um, I was um, working overnight, mm -hmm. uh, so one night I was there, checked with the residents, everybody was fine. I went to sleep, and I had a dream. Uh, this is probably 82 or something. Um, I had a dream. It was the clearest dream I had ever had. Hmm. And um, in the dream, I saw my father going into the uh, hospital. I asked the doctor, what's happening? You need to explain to me, of course. I remember, I'm rational, right? Um, and the doctor said, I don't have time. If, if I answer your question, he's going to die. Okay, go and do your thing. So they go into surgery, and I know that he's fine. In my dream, I know that he comes out and he's fine. Um, immediately, I wake up after the dream is over. I look to my to to, to the clock. Exactly seven o'clock in the morning. So okay, that's interesting. I don't know what that is. So, but the dream was so powerful, so clear, that I thought, okay, it, it has it has some meaning. Mm -hmm. So I started to call my mom, right, or I call her home. I remember, I was the only child, so no, nobody answered the phone. It was either my father or my mother. Mm. So this is one day, two days. So finally, after three days or so, my mother answers the phone, and, and I said, Mom, where have you been? And she says, oh, son. And I said, I know. My father had surgery at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning on on, uh, on Thursday, I think it was. Mm -hmm. um, and he's okay. And she says, how do you know? Mm, 
I don't know, but how are you doing, right? So that was the kind of the first experience that really opened something for me. Mm. It's like, okay, what is that? The dream, as you can tell, never left me. Even today, I, when I talk about it, it's so clear in my mind. So I thought, okay, well, whatever, you know. I tried to explain it with my rational mind. Of course, I couldn't. <laughs> um, so time went on. Uh, of course, I read Castaneda's books and all this stuff that mm -hmm. was popular at the time, or is still very popular. And um, then I find something that it was a workshop on, on uh, mind control. Mm -hmm. If you had invited me to go to a shamanic workshop, I would say, ah, come on, that's not real. Mm -hmm. um, so mind control, okay, that's cool. I can do that. So I go there uh, for a weekend. Where where was it, just uh, geographically? San Francisco. Okay. San Francisco. So, yeah. Um, I, had, I had moved to... to I, I arrived in Santa Cruz, and then I moved to San Francisco okay. uh, to go to the uh, conservatory. Um so I take this workshop, and basically what it is, I understood later, it was shamanic practice, practices in contemporary l lingo, right? So rather than going to the lower world, you go into an elevator to a laboratory. Mm. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, that's very good for me, right? So, um, but the guy said, okay, you can heal with your hands. I said, okay, l let me figure it out, right? Just concentrate, and you'll be able to heal. Um, surprised to me that it was true. I started to um, to realize when people had headaches because that's what we worked with. Mm -hmm. So I would say, "You have a headache, right?" So, yeah, I can get rid of it. Please do one minute, and it would go away. It's like, what did you do? Ah, oh, it's just energy. So it was not a big deal so far. Because there was no really spiritual understanding of the process, right? So, so uh, let me make sure I understand you. You're saying that that you were learning these techniques essentially, mm -hmm. and things you could you could actually that produced results in the world, but you didn't have some kind of overarching um, explanatory framework that you would relate to your sort of rational the the rational your commitment to rationality, oh, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Now, the um, the event that really turned me in a different direction and really blew uh, blew my mind <laughs> literally mm -hmm. um, was around uh, eighty seven. I I had separated from my ex wife, and um, so I thought, okay, I'm gonna take a trip to see my cousins in in, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So I was with them, and they, they are photographers, and uh, so so they, they had a studio at the time. Uh, so they were working. I said, you know, I'm gonna go eat something. Do you want to go? And they said, no, we are too busy. We want to stay here. Okay, so I'll go down downtown and have something to eat. Um, I I'm walking downtown, and there's a group of people, young people from the U.S. So I start to talk to them. Where are you going? Oh, we're going to eat. You want to come with us? Okay. So I went with them. Um, so we sat. It was eight of us, eight, four and four. There was a guy next to me, and a, a woman in front of him. Mm -hmm. 
Um, they start to argue. This guy says the U.S. should invade invade Nicaragua, and the the ladies are like, "How dare you do that?" You know, mm -hmm. it's like imperialism and so on. Mm -hmm. I don't talk politics with people. I don't know why. You know, it's like if I, if I talk politics with my friends, we get mad at each other. <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> so it's not as well not talk with strangers. So if I didn't say anything. Uh, I was sitting, and um, all of a sudden I hear screaming. I look up, and this woman is screaming at me. You, blah, 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 you're a bad person, you don't care for your people, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, she had been telling stories about her life and how happy she was and so on. Mm -hmm. I looked into her eyes, and I knew everything about her. Hmm. So I just said, I know why you're doing this. Okay. She stopped. And we continued eating. We paid the bill. We got up and started to walk down the street. She came to me and said, what did you mean by that? And immediately I looked down, and I say I went into a trance. Mm -hmm. Well, what you're saying is not true. Your father is doing this, your mother is doing that, your brother is doing this, and blah, blah, blah. Trust, I talked for about 10 minutes. But I, w I was... Aware and not aware. You know, it was a very strange thing. Mm -hmm. So after a few minutes, I kind of stopped and looked at her, and she was crying. How do you know all this? I said, I have no idea, and please leave. I, I don't know what's happening. Please go away. Tell me more. I said, no, 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 I have nothing else to tell you. So I left. That was an amazing experience that it really scared me. Yeah, because I thought, okay, what is this, and why me, and why this poor lady? You know. Um, so in this, uh, trying to answer the question, I thought, okay, there must be someone who can tell me what this is all about. Mm -hmm. um, remember, this is '87. It took me up to '93 or something like that. Um, when I, because I didn't know where to go. You know, sure. so uh, I was flying to Atlanta to do a training on all the the work I do also that uh, domestic violence work uh, mm -hmm. with men, and the guy next to me was whistling. So, so I turned to him and said, "Hey, you're a musician, right?" And he says, "Yeah. How do you know? Well, you whistle very much in tune, right?" <laughs> <laughs> Dead giveaway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and so we started to talk, where are you going? And he says, well, I'm going to a shamanic workshop. Oh, really? Where? To, uh, to Colorado. He says, okay, do you ha with whom? What, what, what is the offering this thing? Well, it's the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, Michael Harner. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, do you have the number? Oh, sure, I have it here. So I go, make money, come back, uh, and I call this number. He says, do you have a workshop coming up? Yes, in fact, in two weeks. Do you want to sign up? Sure, sign me up. So I go to the first uh, workshop with Harner. That's finally what set the frame for me. All of a sudden it's like, oh, so this is what's happening. It's possible to do these kinds of things um, intentionally. Mm -hmm. Now, how do I learn to do that? Right, it was the first question. So I took a whole bunch of workshops with Harner, um, and I did what many people do. I went to to to, to the Amazon and uh, did ayahuasca uh, for the three years in a row for a week each time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and all of a sudden, 
my rational mind was not as accurate as I thought. You know, I was seeing things that were beyond my understanding. Mm. It's like, okay, sensing what people were doing, sensing what was happening to them and so on. But I was afraid that, that this kind of uh, uh, um, river of, of, of information would get to me because I didn't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of the, 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 the beginning of my spiritual shift. Um, and then once I got involved in, in 97, uh, I, because I was a student at CIIS also in the drama therapy program, uh, I, of course I had contact with Buddhist uh, traditions and I started to sit in classes also about Buddhism, mm -hmm. which actually gave me a, a, a very good frame now for, for making sure that I practice ahimsa, right? Mm -hmm. Non-harm. Non so that this is so simple and it's so difficult to implement right yeah i'm interested that as you you, you describe that did the shamanic practice or the frame that you um were working with like through the foundation was there a notion of not doing harm and not i mean i i mean and said how how did buddhism complement that well it was it was very important to me because I frankly and and um, uh, that's one of the reasons why I did a, a presentation about ethics in shamanism two weeks ago mm -hmm. um, because I have seen and we can get into this a little bit uh, deeper uh, later but I have seen so many people taking advantage of all, of patients let me call mm. it that way. Uh, getting money from them, uh, having sex to the, to, with them, and so on, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So, uh, um, including some of the shamans that I was meeting, everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, this is this is a big problem. Do I want to go that route? No, for sure. Uh, so it was it was Buddhism, really framed for me mm. how to not fall into the trap mm. of power. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. What can can you uh, was it a particular um stream of Buddhism, you know, uh Theravada or Zen or or some, or or, or yeah, it Tibetan? Was ter uh, t uh, Tibetan and Theravada. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I I took classes and I sat in meditation with some people who are very skilled and were Got it. Uh, okay. very very important. Um and because I was afraid of my own ego, mm -hmm. I knew that it, that it was risky to have this power. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'll tell you a brief story related to this. Uh, the first time I was I went to the Peruvian Amazon, I came back and the experiences were inc were incredible, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I kept I kept telling people about them, and it it, it was very strange. But when I I would tell people, I would speak for ten fifteen minutes, and then all of a sudden, people would turn to me and say, like, "What were you talking about?" People could not hear what I was saying. Hmm. So one day I asked my spiritual teachers, mm -hmm. why is this? And they said, because you are not supposed to talk about this. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. So should tell me about that. <laughs> 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 so I stopped talking about it. 
mm-hmm. uh, uh, until years later, who they say, okay, now you are ready to talk about this stuff. So, but but the, I I I immediately I realized that it was about my own ego, how it it could get in the way, in, in the heart. Mm-hmm. So, so that that leads to a uh, sort of a, a similar question to the one I just asked: is is you know Buddhist practice certainly is all about the illusory nature of the the self, yes. or. If not a loose, I mean the self isn't not real in one sense. It's just it's not permanent, or it's not it's not what we take it to be. And mm-hmm. and in our ordinary frame of consciousness, and mm-hmm. I'm getting from you that uh, the shamanic tradition, at least as it was kind of distilled to the foundation of uh, for shamanism, wouldn't necessarily push that or would it's you you sort of arrive in that tradition as a self and then the self learns how to do certain things but you're still the self right right uh, yeah well Horner would say use this uh, with care and and with ethics right yeah. he he stopped there how to do it mm. was my question interesting yeah. interesting how how can i do this when i can mm. read people's minds when i can uh, when i know what they feel so so i thought okay i need something extra to make sure that i control my ego right mm-hmm. yeah and, and just as a, a foot i mean this is hard enough for buddhists uh, yeah <laughs> of course of course it's not like that oh, i'm dealing with these issues yeah of course it's, uh, easy for Buddhists. It's a, it's a, in every moment. <laughs> type of yeah. Well, I'm, I'm reminded of, um, you know, uh, Stuart, before I met him, had, had an interest in the Western magical tradition. Mm-hmm. And and it, I was of a rational mindset as in the way that you described yourself um, early in your life. And so I sort of poo-pooed all that. And at one point, though, he persuaded I don't know if he persuaded me, but I, deci- I, I agreed that, that we would um, uh, start working with a guy named R.J. Stewart, who mm-hmm. comes out of that tradition. And one of the things that really struck me was like the, very, like the foundational thing he would say is, you have to not do this for yourself. You have to do it for a greater good or, or for, um, for something. And that, that struck me as not at all being uh, being my understanding of my previous understanding of of what that tradition was about because i always thought that you know the magical tradition the western magical tradition was about self-aggrandizement and ex- exercise of power yes. and stuff like that so so i'm 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 struck by how how yeah. s- how smart you are about this well it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> and looking for this for the buddhist right. edition here well, it's an interesting mm-hmm. it's an mm-hmm. interesting theme we have we have a, a friend who's uh, been on this show a few times uh, named sam webster who is a uh again trained in the uh, western magical tradition mm-hmm. and um uh he founded what he calls the open source order of the golden dawn so he's kind mm-hmm. of contemporary in his uh, uh outlook but he noticed the same thing that that a lot of people in magical practice were getting very um isolated ego you know just not happy mm-hmm. and he found, he was uh working with a tibetan teacher as well and found that that the dedicating the practice for the benefit of all sentient beings is that's not just something you say it's actually like a a way of completely um 
changing the whole nature of the rela- the energetic relationship and so he began to bring those two together mm-hmm. and created what he calls tantric thalema which is like a mix of Aleister Crowley and compassion so that you get mm-hmm. you know the use of this energy for healing and for benefit and not for the aggrandizement of your own ego right right it's a, it's a huge struggle it's it's a, well Everybody knows the moment we talk about ego and 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 prestige and money, whatever. It's like okay, okay, I'll, I'll do more, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was lucky actually that I had some ex- bad experiences with some people, and I'll I'll, I'll share one with you. Uh, I I was in the in the Peruvian Amazon uh, working with this very very powerful shaman. He mm-hmm. taught me a lot. But the second time the th- second time I went to work with him, uh, when I got there, there was a very young, uh, beautiful woman mm-hmm. who who said uh, because I was traveling with a, with a friend uh, uh, from the uh, from the group uh, harness group and. Um, and, um, and this this young lady came came to us and said, "You know, can I do a ceremony with you?" Sure, yeah, yeah, no problem. She didn't do it. She didn't do it for five days. So the fifth day, she said, "Okay, I'm going to do it tonight with you guys." Well, we got there and she didn't do it, and that was smart. She probably sent something. We did the ceremony. She didn't take the the ayahuasca, and. Um, uh, we went to sleep in, in one of those huts that they have in the Peruvian Amazon. That they just have a little big, big bit of a, of a division uh, between the, the rooms. So um, she, this young lady, said, "Well, I'm going to go uh, sleep in the in one of those places in these uh, bedrooms because they have a mosquito net." Mm. So sure, no problem. Pretty soon, I hear them talking. The shaman and and this lady, I knew where things were going because, mm-hmm. as he was singing, the Icaros, I I saw that he was trying to control her mind. Mm-hmm. So I I asked my teacher, okay, what do I do with this? I'm the student here, and he said, just don't worry, don't, don't just protect yourself and don't say anything, just be there. Um, and sure enough. Um, after a while, she comes over and says, "Can I sleep with next to you guys?" Oh, sure. So she lay there. In the morning, she came to me and said, "You know, um, you you uh, you you won't believe what happened." And I said, "Yes, I I'll believe you." Well, what happened is that he started to touch her, and she said, "Don't, please don't, don't do that." Uh, and then did it again, and she then got up and he grabbed her. She said, leave me alone because I'm going to scream. And that's when he let go and she came over. So this, to me, uh, was so horrifying, right? Um, because I have been, I, ha- I had been working now uh, for, um, for several years in the domestic violence field. Mm-hmm. Right, so I was very attuned at violence, gender violence. So I thought, okay, I need to be c- uh, careful with myself. Forget about this guy. I, I uh, because I, I had to talk to him about taking groups to to work with him. Mm-hmm. So forget it, forget it. Uh, right. I will never do that with anybody. Um, 
So it was a great lesson in, in recognizing how dangerous uh, we can be when, when we are powerful. So I thought, okay, I don't want to be like him. And that was my motivation for looking somewhere else. So, and it was the, that's where the Buddhist uh, 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 thinking came, okay. came to me. That, well, that's... I, I mean, I, I can I can understand why that would be um, <laughs> a clarion call to do to 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 um, to find something additional that would help you right. to um, to handle this and help you presumably help others to handle it as well. Right. And the problem is that I have seen this in many people who claim to do shamanic work. Right. Um, when people ask me, are you a shaman? I said, no, I'm not a shaman. I'm a student of, shaman, of shamanism. And I said, let me, give you, let me give you a story, right? I met uh, a Wichol shaman from Mexico mm-hmm. who was an incredible authority about the cosmology of the Wichol tradition. Mm-hmm. So one day I said, could you tell me about your, the cosmology? And he said, sure, come into my workshop. So we, w- we went into his workshop. He did was uh, these yarn paintings, beautiful yarn yeah. paintings that you've seen. And his son was probably six years old, sat on the, on the, on the, on the, on the floor, just listening. Mm-hmm. The kid did not move for three hours at six years old. He's going to be a shaman. You know, he's he's born in the tradition. He mm-hmm. has a context. He has the person who can develop him and so on, right? I am from Mexico City. Right? I'm a city boy, so I don't have any native in me, right? I'm, I'm very contemporary. So real shamans are people who dedicate themselves and their families from the very, very, very early, uh, very early on, right? Uh, so when when People say I'm a shaman. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. I'm not, you know. I'm, I'm well, and that's a, uh, a great question. Then, what what is that? You, when you then take people who come out of a, you know, a modern, you know, uh, Western urban environment, and they practice and they go to the workshops and do maybe even study with uh, some real practicing uh, shaman. What what is, what can we hope for from that? But you know, what what is is how does it become more than uh, a hobby or a uh, uh, you know like going to church on Sundays? Yeah, yeah. Well, it gets worse, right? How does it become not a money maker? Right? Well, yeah. Because the mm. problem we have here with spirituality is that hardly anybody has clarity about their spiritual path. You know, in teaching, I was teaching transpersonal psychology at CIAS, and students' question was, how do I find my path, and how how do I find a teacher? Well, pretty difficult questions, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's, there's no answer for, for that's going to serve everybody. Everybody has a different path, different teachers. Um, so I would say that the the best we can is to be humble. And um, th- I learned this, so so let me back, back a little bit to my story. Um, at some point, um, I, I'm a classical, uh, I'm an opera singer, right? Mm-hmm. So at some point around, what was it, 97, 98, somewhere around there, I don't, I don't remember, uh, I had vocal nodules. Mm. So, um, so I called a couple of shamans, very 
well-known shamans, and I said, can you do something with this? No. And and I went to the second one, and can you help me with this? And they said, no. But I have a phone number for someone. And uh, they gave me a Lauren Smith's uh, phone number from the Pomo tribe mm-hmm. over here. Here, right here in Sonoma County. Right. Um, so I called this person, and he said, oh, sure, sure, come over. So here I come from San Francisco, two and a half hours, to Kashaya observation mm-hmm. and I meet this this guy and the moment I see him <laughs> um, his energy is so great that it really envelops people or enveloped people he died in January 15th of this year oh, wow. um, so I sit there and <laughs> he starts to com- to tell me about how much his knees hurt because he'd he'd been in many accidents. So I'm sitting there fuming because he's talking about his knees and I came for a healing. (laughs) So finally, after two hours or something of talking to me, he said, oh, but you came for a healing. I said, yes, yes. yes." So I think, okay, he's going to get his drum, he's going to sing. He pulls a uh, root from his uh, from his pants from uh, so this is Angelica root and I'll give you this um, uh, spice bush take this and tea is that all yes that's all now you can go okay so I'm driving to back to San Francisco I'm so mad like <laughs> why do I believe in these things I'm crazy you know so my rational mind is exploding one more time. <laughs> I get home. I'm desperate. The doctor said, okay, if you don't get better in two or three months and without talking or singing, we'll have to do surgery. And I didn't want to do it. So I started to take the tea, right? I go back to the, to the doctor two months later, and he's poking into my thing with a video camera. Mm-hmm. And he pulls the thing very, very mad. He says, I don't know what the hell you did, but... You are healed from this thing. Ninety-nine percent of this thing has is, is, is gone. Consider yourself healed. Just be careful with your voice. And what did you do? Well, I went to see a healer. <laughs> you told him. <laughs> yeah. He said, what did he, he was say? good. He was good. He said, "Whatever works." <laughs> it was. It was a good response. That's that is a good response. <laughs> so I immediately started to t- take workshops with Lauren. Mm-hmm. And he, I realized that he was the kindest people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Uh, he never asked for anything. You know, he did the workshops, and if you gave him gave him money, fine. He would he would do his job. You know, that was his job. So uh, I wanted to learn from him. So I I went to visit him, and I I did a lot of recordings. I took I took groups to to the roundhouse up in Kashaya. Uh, so he was a main influence for me mm. because. Interestingly enough, he was like a Buddha, mm-hmm. including his history. You know, he when he before he became a healer, he was tempted by mm-hmm. demons. He said, you know, mm-hmm. they offered him everything, money, women, drink, whatever, and he said, no, no, I think I need to be a healer. So he took the 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 right path. It's very interesting to see the similarities with the Buddha, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he really taught me to care for people and not care for myself because he cared for me. 
I, I, I showed up uh, sometimes, and he would say, so, uh, for example, he one day he said, how are your relationships? Wow, how do you know? <laughs> 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 he was taking care of uh, everybody, hmm. everybody he had contact with. He would visit us, you know. Mm-hmm. So so that really reinforced, and he kept every single time that I met with him, you need to be humble, we need to be humble, because otherwise we get into trouble. And he was, he, he lived that, you know, as far as I'm, I know. This, this, is, this is wonderful to hear, because um, we've had, you know, over, over 300 guests on this show, right, uh, over the years, and... And one of the recurring issues that it doesn't always come up explicitly with guests, but but I'm aware of it uh, arising in, in a number of cases. And it, it's you know what is what is the the um, the, the expression uh, um, money corrupts. <laughs> you know, yes. in other words, in other words, you know, as as you're framing it. If you're getting something for yourself or for your ego, um, that really strongly flavors, changes the um, the whole enterprise of whatever whatever it is that, that you're doing. Yes, yes, it does. Because, see, what people don't understand, so, so a little bit of the, the answer to your specific question is... If you can gauge someone by them if they don't charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I don't charge. You know, it's like, if you want to give me something, give me an apple, that's fine. If you give me $100, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And what I do is save that money, and I was taking it to, to Lauren, right? So, so it's, but the, the, the more I don't get attached to money, the easier money comes to me in other, other ways. Yeah. So, um, so I think if we put factor that in, I bet you many people who say I'm a shaman or I practice shamanism would stop doing it because they wouldn't make any money. They say I don't have money to pay but to pay the rent. Right. Well, Lori never had money to pay the rent either. Yeah. Right. So, so we can learn from native people. It, yeah. One 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 tension with that is that um, I've heard it said from healers that. Uh, the other is true as well, that for someone receiving a healing, there has to be an energetic exchange. They have to give something. Uh, and so this is an interesting balance because on the one hand, to really receive and to value what I'm being given, I have to be willing to give something for that. And yet the person doing the healing can't be doing the healing in order to get something. Otherwise, uh, as Rob said, it's like the whole, the whole dynamic shifts. Because yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, no, it, see, to me, just having contact with spirit, and by that I mean God, whatever you name it, right? Buddha, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. I call it universal consciousness. Mm-hmm. That's priceless. You know, the, the, just uh, once in a while, um, having an experience, 
Well, I'll tell you, a wonderful experience that blends some of the religious stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I was I was doing a healing with a group of, uh, of ladies, and one of them was very ill. Uh, so I was really working with her. She was right in front of me. And all of a sudden, I see a, a golden light to my left. So I turn around, and it's Jesus. Hmm. And it was incredible, you know, because the energy, the clarity, the, 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 the color, everything was compassion. I was so surprised, because I don't believe in God, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was a surprise. I turned to, to him and said, what are you doing here? Oops, oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to say that. I just, I, I'm surprised, you know, <laughs> like, just in case. <laughs> um, and the amazing thing was that we f- I finished, and I said, how are you doing? And she said, oh, that was very nice. And she, she said, what was that golden light that was on your left? Ah. So I thought, okay, now this is priceless. This is a gift not to me, it's to her. Yeah. And uh, but I was part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's enough. That's enough. It's it's just what else can you ask for? You know, yeah. that's spirituality to me. Yeah. Um. So so when I do healing work, I I get surprised all the time. I get information, I know what's happening, I know what to do, and sometimes it doesn't happen. And I question myself, it's like, but, but the Spirit says, well, you are not God. <laughs> it's like, okay, I try, I try my best and that's all I can do, you know, it's like, it's not up to me. Right. So if we are humble, we are using energies that are not ours. Mm-hmm. It's just par- it's part of everybody's energy. Yeah. So so is the charging for that is not fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a matter of ownership in a in, in a way. It's like right. the illusion of ownership. Yes. Um, uh, we project onto ourselves and onto others. Mm-hmm. You know who's 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 owning what. And how does you know how do thing how are things supposed to work out? Yeah, right. but but and I I get that. I mean that that's why I'm, I'm sort of looking at two sides of this because uh, I've certainly seen in um, cases with healers that there will be people who want healings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might say almost inappropriately, or they they you know want to call their healer up and and uh, are perfectly willing to take advantage of someone who's not charging. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's not like the answer is for them to charge, but it, it's like they're. Uh, ha- I'm interested in how you see that, or how you how you uh, navigate that side of things. Well, uh, Lauren and I talked about this actually, and um, I've experienced that a lot because remember I know what people's intentions are, and it's okay. It's okay. It's it's not my problem. If they want to test me, it's okay. I, I don't. I don't mind. It's, it's, I don't lose anything. I don't gain anything. Um, so um, I would. I would say that um, if pe- if people want to take advantage of me and they come and, and, and they don't give me anything, it's okay. They. they ho- I hope that they get something out of this healing. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything, eventually they'll find that's compassion. That they need to be compassionate. If it's not made to somebody else, I don't care. You know, they're children. Whatever it is. Interesting. So, so my mother always told me, and of course I didn't believe her. It's like if you if you give, you receive. 
Mother, you need to be careful with money. <laughs> But now I know what she was talking about. Because yes, I give and I receive, you know. And it's it's sometimes it's money. Many times it's not money. It's many times it's thank you. I was desperate. You know, you give me hope. Yeah. That's enough. You know. It's, it's interesting. And, and then the other the other side of that is that um, you don't make money from. The uh, uh, shamanic work, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's right. like I, I, right. I have a job, you know, like I have a job, you know, that I yeah. go to, and I don't, yeah. I don't make money from spiritual practice or from spiritual teaching or anything like that, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like it that way. Yes, because yes. it it just keeps everything very clean. Right, right. Lauren was was a ranger, uh, yeah. somewhere around here, so he would work. Uh, his shift, <coughs> and then he would go back to to the to the to the rancheria, and he would see patients. You know, three o'clock in the morning, they would come and knock on his door, and he he would say, "Okay, okay, let's go to the roundhouse and let's do some healing work for you." So, but he always had to work. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. um, he knew that, and it was okay with him. He knew that it was it was a bit, even a, an extra effort, but hey, it's worth it. I think saving lives is worth it. Having a peace of mind, I think, is worth it very much. Well, that's that's interesting. So, so the a question is, just came up for me as you were saying that, and and that is, I mean, I I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I mean, you know, uh, Stuart described his situation with regard to work and mm -hmm. as as um, as regards to his, his spiritual practice and commitment. You know, and I and I, you know, help run a spiritual bookstore that we set up, and believe me, that doesn't make much money. <laughs> right, right, right. And neither do I from it. Mm -hmm. And yet, it I get a huge amount from it. But, but then there's the, uh, it's it's like, um, oh, there are there are psychologists who do who 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 um, want to be helpful to people, mm -hmm. not on this. But so I guess what I'm what I'm asking you is. Um, is this realm of um, spiritual healing, which can involve material uh, results in the material world, mm -hmm. um, is that a di would you would you call that a different realm of effort than than say people who are in professions where they get you know they get a salary and they get uh, or they're they, you know they're they're in a situation they charge fees and everyone understands it i mean how do you how do you configure that uh, for yourself <laughs> well frankly i'm the wrong person to uh, to ask this question <laughs> <laughs> because i'm not good with money uh, -huh. uh for some reason it wasn't something so appealing to me mm -hmm. um But the way I do it, I work. I mean, I have a job teaching. Yes. I I I I'm a psychologist, so I mm -hmm. I see clients, mm -hmm. uh, and so I ask people, uh, clients, okay, can you pay this? And mm -hmm. they say, sure, okay. So so I uh, and this is where I do. I'm more careful with people cheating me, mm -hmm. right? Because if someone comes to me and says, you know, I don't have any money, I, and then they live in a Tesla, you know, like, okay, now you're paying for a big car, and so so I, so that's where I can be a little bit more more mm -hmm. um, stringent um, w with spiritual stuff. I I just uh, well, that's that's kind of my point though. Is that is that um, 
maybe it's because the uh, spiritual healing is so has has this pervasive quality mm-hmm. beyond just the transactional realm which is there's nothing wrong with the transactional yeah. realm i don't expect you know safeway to put food in the market i'm just going to come in and take it and don't mm-hmm. have to offer mm-hmm. something in exchange mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. um there's nothing wrong with that realm but somehow in this realm that has this pervasive quality to it mm-hmm. um, that we've been talking about using words like spiritual and healing and stuff like that, that that seems like a realm where, where it's a lot, where, where the transactional thing gets you in trouble. Right, right, right. Yeah. In my, in my talk um, uh, about ethics and shamanism, um, I suggested something that shamans in native cultures um, were uh, held accountable by the community. Yes. Mm. So if there are 800 people in the community, someone goes wrong, it's like everybody knows about it. Yeah. So it's like, don't get close to this person, right? Here, we don't even have community. Mm. It's very sad to say this. Yes. But, hey, we have little communities, right? Uh, it could be... A community when, where we teach, where we go to AA, where we go to church, whatever it is. But really, there's not a community where we know everything about everybody. So how can we trust each other, mm-hmm. right? So I think that was that's one of the problems that we have in contempor- in, in, uh, in our lives, that um, anybody can do whatever they want, and it's going to be kept a secret, yeah. especially... With spirituality, that is so intangible, right? Anybody can say, you know, um, I'm a great healer, and, and come to me, and, and, and I've been in many countries, and whatever it is, uh, and people are so much in need of mm-hmm. some support that they they fall trapped to that, right? But also, the people are falling trapped to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I tell you a very very interesting experience that I had in the Peruvian Amazon. In one of the trips, I think the last trip I took there, I was talking to a shaman uh, because I stopped working with the previous one, so I looked mm-hmm. for somebody else. And there was a man standing. He looked very sad, and I I said, um, you know, are you okay? You look very sad. He said, Yeah, I am. What happened? He said, you know, I was foolish. I'm from the jungle. I went to the mountain, and I did not ask permission to work in the mountain. Mm. And so I was not protected. So someone, another shaman, stole my power. Hmm. So I don't have my power. So I need to start all over again. Hmm. Just imagine that, right? Mm. That that. He has a community. He is already working with the shaman I was mm-hmm. to work with. Here we have a, a, an experience like that, and we don't know where to go. Yeah, you know who who can we go? The spiritual realm. Someone abused me. Someone did something weird. Appeared in my dreams without my permission. Hmm. Where do we go? Right. So, so, it's, so yeah. people need something they're willing to pay. Unfortunately. But we need to go to a break right now. <laughs> sure, sure. But we will come back yeah, to continue back. this fascinating discussion. Indeed. <laughs> the time is 
4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It would be 5 o'clock, actually. Did I say 4? Oh, yes. 5. Time, time is rushing by. <laughs> <laughs> this is KOWS LP uh, Cows Radio. Occidental California, serving Santa Rosa and West Sonoma County, broadcasting live at 92.5 on your FM dial and streaming live on the web at www.kows.fm. You are listening to The Mystical Positivist. I'm your host, Stuart Goodnick. Joining me is co-host Rob Schmidt. This week on the show, we converse in the studio with Professor Antonio Ramirez Hernandez, a faculty member at the California Institute of Integral Studies, where his interests include gender studies, especially concerning masculine identities, the psychological impacts of culture on individuals and families, and transpersonal psychology, including shamanic healing practices. We'll return to our show after a short musical break. Musical interludes on this show are from a CD called Round Midnight, performed by the 12 cellists of the Berlin Philharmonic. This piece, entitled Spain, is by Jana Saxala.
Welcome back to the Mystical Positivist. I'm your host, uh, Stuart Goodnick, joined by co-host Dr. Rob Schmidt, director of Thai Meditation Center and founder with myself and Jim Wilson of Mini Rivers Books and Tea in Sebastopol. This week on the show, we converse in the studio with Professor Antonio Ramirez Hernandez, a faculty member at the California Institute of Integral Studies, where his interests include gender studies, especially concerning masculine identities, the psychological impacts of culture on individuals and families, and transpersonal psychology, including shamanic healing practices. So I wanted to ask, um, as soon as I knew that you were going to be on the show, I wanted to ask uh, about a phenomenon that, that I see in our spiritual bookstore in Sebastopol, not infrequently, one of the sections that we, that has become quite popular is um, shamanic studies, and there's a lot of material there and in, in other sections in the store about uh, various drugs. You mentioned ayahuasca, and I certainly get from the way you were talking in the first hour that you were able to use um, your ayahuasca experiences in a in a very productive way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also sometimes people who I would say don't don't appear to have the commitment that you have been discussing uh, to to a kind of self-examination as the reason really the reason for engaging in the the various kinds of drugs that different shamanic traditions in different parts of the world uh, may or may not use at different times, and so. I guess what I'm saying is that, in part, is I, I see a misuse. What what appears to me, to some extent, to be a misuse of some of these some of these substances, sacred substances, in the original traditions, and not being treated or being being used by people who don't even know how, don't even know what sacred really means. Does that first? I'm assuming that makes sense to you, and I'd like to hear about that, and then more generally about um, advisories that you would offer to people in this arena. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a big problem um, uh, for many reasons, uh, and uh, I I call it. Um, Spiritual tourism, right? mm-hmm. because it, it's become that uh, uh, anymore. Um, let me let me just share a little bit uh, how I got in, in, into this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because with Harner, uh, you, uh, uh, he's uh, suggested use of the a drum or a rattle, yes, and it's very effective, right? Actually. Um, but I, uh, hearing so much about, about ayahuasca, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go and find out what this is all about. Sure. And it was a wonderful experience, actually. But I had years of training already. Yeah. That that was the big difference. Uh, so I get there. I, t- I took a boat uh, in one of the tributaries of the Amazon um in, in Peru, uh, 20 hour away from this uh, town, to this community, and um, uh, we settled in a in a house in a hut that was empty. Someone uh, had uh, left for a while, mm-hmm. and um, 
uh, eventually during the day they brought uh, a whole family started to move in mm. and they brought a child probably 10 years old who was completely yellow so um, I told to my I said to my guide you know this is something curable with western medication because I don't dismiss that Right. So if if it's if, if we so have it sounds like ways, sounds like what we would call jaundice. Uh, is that is that right? Yeah. Right. Uh, but he hadn't eaten in several days and he couldn't move. He was in fetal position. Mm. So it, it was. I I thought it was dire. So I said, we have the boat. Let's take him to 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 see him, uh, a Western doctor. He said, okay, let's do something. Let's wait until tomorrow. If tomorrow he's not better, we'll take him. I said, oh, sure, I'll pay for everything. So we did a ceremony that night. And the shaman started seeing the Icaros and everything. And all <laughs> he stopped for a moment. He speaks in his language. And all of a sudden he says, now, Antonio, you sing. Okay, so my mind says, okay, I can't sing. I couldn't move. <laughs> my body wouldn't move, right? So I eventually kind of gained control of my body. Again, I was kind of in half lotus. So a song came to me, I started to sing. As I started to sing, I started to see my voice, the flow of my voice in thousands of colors, beautiful, streaming, getting into the child, into mm. the solar plexus of the child. Mm -hmm. And so I keep singing, and I'm directing now with my mind, and I start to see snakes going out of him. Right, and so I direct the snakes that are also colorful into the lake that was next door. Right, so I did this for ten, fifteen minutes. I don't know how 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 long. And so I don't see any more snakes. I stop. Okay, and the shaman continues to sing his Icaros. Right, next day uh, they come in. Oh, next day he by midday he was eating. And he was playing with his friends, and the color was back. It's hmm. like, okay, that's very cool, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the interesting thing is that <coughs> my guide came to me late in the, in the day, and he said, the family wants to thank you, because they saw that you healed the child. And I said, no, no, no. Maybe... What happened is that they didn't see that the shaman was the ayahuasquero was was guiding me, right? Mm. But I didn't know how to do this. So, well, they want to thank you because you healed the child. They saw it. Um, so it, it's a wonderful experience. Now I tell you this because it's important also to mention that I don't need medicine anymore. Mm -hmm. I can do similar stuff just by concentrating. So, um, an answer to your question is, when when someone wants to go into ceremony with medicine, people need to be really ready, psychologically, physically, uh, mentally, and spiritually, because otherwise it can backfire. You'll be surprised how many people call me um, saying, you know, I had a bad trip uh, two years ago, and I'm still suffering from that mm -hmm. can you do something so sure we can do something uh, so I check that sometimes this question of diet sometimes this question of therapy whatever I find 
yeah, it's not something to play with. It has a purpose. Yeah. In my case, it had a purpose. I went to the Peruvian Amazon to learn. So I learned. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I have ayahuasca in my house. I will not tell you where I live. <laughs> <laughs> good, I good idea. <laughs> um, but, but I don't use it. See, mm -hmm. I have it because it's a sacred plant, and if I need to use something, I, I will use it for mm -hmm. whatever reason. I sure. haven't used it in many years. Um, so what I say is first, uh, figure out your purpose. If you're not clear, don't even try, because mm -hmm. it can backfire, right? Um, the, the shaman there, the first night we did, we did the ceremony, it was the first night, uh, he came to me and he said, you know, you, your body is very clean, and that's why you didn't throw up. Mm. Most people throw up all right. over the place. Right. So, well, I, I, I eat very careful. I'm very careful with what I eat. Um, so it starts there, but it goes into the really having a purpose, starting, set and setting, as we all know, and all this kind of stuff that Stan Grove has uh, mentioned in his books. But people need to be very careful, and don't do it when you go to a party. That's really not using the medicine with the appropriate, uh, in the appropriate way. Um, of course, don't use it in the street. Don't use it with people you don't know. Right, mm -hmm. so which is a, which is a big problem. Someone comes from the Peruvian Amazon or from wherever they have ayahuasca, and people jump into it. It's like I wouldn't do that, even with the experience I have. I wouldn't do that. Uh, it's a <coughs> also there's, I guess there's a question now of um, how do you vet the shaman because uh, with the with tourism comes. Uh, yes. The financial incentive, and it's it's not unlike uh, what they say in India now. You know that the the uh, ninety percent of the uh, um, uh, gurus that you see around are, uh, are basically fakes, more or less. Right. And okay. how, so, how do you know? And that and that's a, that seems like that's a uh, a pretty big risk to go just to jump in without any sort of um, background or connection or you know sort of reference. Right. Not only that, it's sometimes there are references, but they are very skewed. Uh, someone, let's say, someone went to uh, Costa Rica and did an ayahuasca ceremony with this person, and they come to the US. Oh, yeah, that's the person I work with in Costa Rica. Well, I had a good experience. That doesn't mean that the next person is going to have a good experience. Mm -hmm. It's a different place, a different setting, a different people. So there are many variables. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying don't do it, but if you if someone needs to do it, do it with a lot of care. It, for example, if I were to go uh, with some to those uh, medicine with someone I don't know, I would take a friend. Just if I need something, mm. you know, mm -hmm. so, so, hey, I'm, I don't feel comfortable, I'm freaking out, you know, I'm paranoid, please help me. I don't, I don't like to go into these things. I went to one recently, about a year, year ago in Mexico, and it was um, very interesting because I was a little bit late. Um, people had gathered, uh, but I got lost, so it took me a while to, to get there. Uh, so they they were kind of starting, so the chairman says, okay, let's start. Um, so we're going to pass, I'm going to pass the medicine. 
And I thought, oh my goodness, this is not starting properly because there are about 40 people here and I don't know any of these people. I don't want to be here. Right? So usually what I saw Lauren doing is like uh, he would talk to people. It's like, uh, who are you? Where are you coming from? You know, mm-hmm. so the, he got to know people. This guy was just, okay, let's, let's go ahead and start. And sure enough, halfway through, uh, because I didn't take the full dose, I just took a little bit, so it, I was not under under the influence. Uh, I decided to leave because people were already having problems and they were not they, they were getting dysregulated, and it was not my role to do anything there. So I said, you know, the best thing I can do is just to go. And there there were there were a couple of people who wanted to go because they were afraid of what they were seeing. So I said, okay, so let's go. So it was dark. It was kind of in the middle of the night. So it's, it's a, if someone is going to do it, to bring a friend, uh, <coughs> in terms of betting, I don't know how to do it. I mean, I do know how I do it. You yeah. know, I look at someone and I know who they are. Um, for someone who doesn't have the skills, it's just pay attention to your intuition. Your intuition tells you something. Uh, so just sit there for a moment and check in with yourself. Am I in the right place? And see if there is any doubt, just hold on. Hold it. Just It's not worth it to get into a journey that's going to be kind of maybe okay and maybe very bad. It's, 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 uh, psychotic breaks are, are very problematic, and it takes a while for people to recover. Yeah. So it's, it's better to, yes, you may be curious. What I say to people is, like, go do a workshop, basic workshop, at least with the Foundation for Humanic Studies. I'm, I'm not promoting. It's just the, the, the outfit that I know of. Mm-hmm. That is, they are, is this more, ser- more serious? Yeah, they're local. Uh, and 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 really do some practicing to be to get used to non-ordinary states of consciousness. And once you get settled, once you have clear contact with your teachers, now you have some grounding to be able to use the medicine, because the the, the teachers, the spiritual teachers, are going to tell you what to do, how to approach the medicine. So so it's like the sacredness comes back. Into, yeah. into the uh, equation at that point. Well, I mean, in in general, uh, you know, um, objects, material objects in the world, um, receive the impressions of the attention we put on them, right? Yes. You know, you, you know, there can be the crucifix on the altar in the church, mm-hmm. and that has whatever attention that it's, you know, of of thousands of people over mm-hmm. over many years and that has whatever that's imbued it with mm-hmm. but if we you know just pick up something and 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 we have no history with it we have no um uh and 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 so many so many americans at least these days have have literally no uh, no spiritual um, grounding or foundation mm-hmm. whatsoever. They don't they they haven't uh, they don't have a spiritual tradition. Mm-hmm. They they feel an urge to connect that way, and mm-hmm. that's laudable. And um, and yet I think um, I, I really appreciate your clarity about the way you're both saying don't exp- don't don't. Um, uh, experiment, but but 
realize that this is this is not a toy or something like that you know that's really important yeah and and i'll tell you another piece that is problematic right Mm -hmm. um you know the peyote Mm -hmm. uh, takes 10 years to grow Right, so the moment you cut it, you need to wait ten years now to, for this plant to come back. So we are really devastating the the mm. the, 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 the the plant in in the, in the desert. Um, I I have gone because I I do teach a, wor- a workshop where I advanced students uh, go uh, w- with me to to take mushrooms to the Massatec uh, 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 mountains. And we get there, and it's impossible to get them mm. because of the tourism. People mm. just go there yeah. to 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 have mushrooms, and and unfortunately the town is is uh, is like, okay, you want a ceremony? Sure, we have the mushrooms, and come and pay uh, whatever money you uh, have, yeah. you want, and and then you have a good trip, and and uh, come back whenever. So the 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 healers are having problems now getting mushrooms. So so this is a second order effect of this kind of commodification exactly. uh, of of what in the original context would be a, 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 a you know we, we could call it a sacred experience or at least a self-examination experience or oh. or some kind of um um process right uh, like that right yeah no the, it's um it's it's part of our world. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Now, l- let me tell you a story because uh, um, uh, I have a nephew who's very interested in in uh, shamanis- shamanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we didn't know each other, right? We hadn't seen each other for. I I don't. I think I saw him when he was uh, no. It's, it's not true. I saw him when he was nine years old. Mm-hmm. So they came came to San Francisco, and. He was fascinated with me. He, he, at nine years old, of course, he knew, he, he felt my energy. So he wanted to hang out with, with me, but he's, uh, we just didn't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Now he's, he's an adult, and I, um, I went with him to, to look for mushrooms, because he's fascinated by mushrooms, right? Uh, so we got some mushrooms, of course. Again, same thing happened. That, that people had picked up everything, so we couldn't find much. So we went to my house in Mexico, <coughs> and uh, he. The moment we got to the house, he said, "Hey, uncle, do you want to jo- smoke a joint?" I said, "No, thank you." So, do you mind if I smoke? No, I don't. Uh, he did that for about three three nights, right? Mm-hmm. And then eventually he, he said. Hey, why don't you uh, want to use the plant? So I'll show you. So <laughs> I did a ceremony with him and another of my family, another person in my family, with my drum. Mm-hmm. We first we went into the mountain, and then we came back, and then I, I was drumming and I was singing and I was uh, doing um, a beautiful ceremony actually. And um, at the end, I finished. So how are you doing? He says, "Wow, this is incredible." It was like eating mushrooms, and just with the drum. So yeah, you don't need them. So really, if if you want to experiment something great, 
meditate, really concentrate. Do, there, there are many other ways to, to get into this state where you rec recognize, where you learn a lot. Mm -hmm. right? And yes, yes there's, 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 there's place for, for medicine. But again, I'd suggest be very careful for yourself, for others, and for the plants. Yeah, I think okay. that um, our, in our culture we have the idea that uh, medicine exists for our convenience, and uh, that changes the whole relationship. It does. It does. Yeah. So, so there, there's a. I'm I, I'm fascinated as you as you describe your work. Uh, I mean, you have such a deep shamanic practice and work, and yet your cover story by day <laughs> is a uh, uh, mild mannered uh, professor. Humble, uh, yeah, mild mannered <laughs> professor who. Uh, who sings? <laughs> Who sings opera? Right. Sings opera. But but I but I, I I'm just fascinated. Uh, this is something I balance and struggle with. How how you have found the balance of that work? You know, living in the world, working in the world, in contexts that on the surface don't necessarily permit of um, uh, elaboration of these kinds of things, and yet. None of that is very far from you when mm -hmm. when you're in the world. So how do how do you how do you navigate that balance? Right, right. Um, well, I I, I I well, let me tell you a little bit about my childhood again, because I always wonder what that was. I was always protected by someone. Hmm. In elementary school, I was the biggest guy in school. One day, someone was hassling me. I was in second grade or something like that. He came over and says, this guy, you don't touch. Nobody touched me ever after that, right? And that's hap that happened in junior high and high school and so on. Hmm. Um, I've done very stupid things, of course, and I've been out of there without uh, much problems and so on. So something has been protecting me. But... <coughs> uh, with this, um, my teachers, uh, spiritual teachers, told me something. Never offer your services, which really makes it really difficult, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because my question is, what if I know that someone is sick and, and I can help? Never offer your services. Hmm. And I got it again. It was a question. They were talking about my ego, right? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I can do this type of thing. So it's interesting because then people come to me. You know, I I claim that it's my long hair. <laughs> 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 people come to me and say, you're a shaman, right? Um, it happened to me in one of the markets here in, uh, in San Rafael. I was, and I was very sick that day. And this kid was kept looking at me. He was putting the groceries in. And he said, you're a shaman. And I said, uh, what do you mean? I feel your energy, he says. I said, kid, you have something. So pay attention to that. Uh, so I don't know. People, I don't know if it's just the way I look. I don't know what it, if it's really the energy. I can see that Lauren, I mean, he, he, he glowed, right? Um... And so that's one part. Now, I'm very lucky that I'm teaching at CIAS mm -hmm. because 
uh, as I mentioned, I, I taught a transpersonal psychotherapy. It was a lot of shamanic practice. Huh? Mm-hmm. It was really wild. Um, uh, I would do healing extractions there in, in the class, and I would I would uh, demonstrate some stuff that I do mm-hmm. in the class, and I said, well. And, and of course, people say, tell me, how do you get to that point? So, well, you have to practice a lot and study a lot, and there's a lot to learn, right? Um, so, in a way, my teaching relates to my my spiritual practice. Yeah. And this setting is very well accepted. Now, it is interesting because recently I had to attend to a lady who was in a, the ICU unit at, at, uh, at a hospital. And I got there, and I actually I was surprised <coughs> that when I got there, the nurse said, oh, is that your shaman to the family? So, okay, uh, what are they going to do here? So, oh, welcome, welcome. We were waiting for you. So I went in. So it's interesting that people are recognizing that medicine comes in different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a great relief, and it was really sweet, actually, for the nurses to, to treat me. It's like, okay, you, you'll do your thing. We'll come by, and if we bother you, let us know. No, no, of course not. Just do your thing. It was very nice to see the combination of, of, of the possibilities. So... Uh, I think I'm lucky. Um, when I work in, in my psychotherapy practice, when I work with someone who wants some kind of spiritual work, I make it very clear. Okay, we are veering into something different. This is not psychotherapy. Hmm. Now this is psychotherapy with, with psycho, with the spirit, meaning before it. So know the difference. Because what I'll do is I'm going to read you, and that may get scary for you. Mm. Uh, so, so, so are you okay with this? So sure. Then I, I, go, I move ahead. But I kind of keep the two a little bit separate, because I don't want to lose my license. Right. Um, well, but you also don't want to miss... <coughs> uh, Misconstrue things for for other people of clearly course. from all of what you said. Of course, of course. I I want to be very clear. If you're if you're looking at me because you, someone told you about me, like a, a, so a lady called me because her her uh, son had died, uh, and she didn't have closure, so she heard that I did something with that, and, mm-hmm. and I said, sure, sure, but be clear that this is not psychotherapy, this is out of my practice. If you need something else, I can refer you, or we can try, uh, go move to the other, the other parts, uh, just okay. to, 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 to stay on the clear with the Western way of seeing <laughs> psychotherapy. All right. mm-hmm. But uh, the other, the other <coughs> uh, question I've heard that with a shamanic practice, that the permission is a big issue that you have to you know it has you can't be using this power to like heal people from a distance that you think might uh, need something that's right that's right i'll tell you two experiences that that taught me a lot the first and this is before i knew all this stuff right um, this is still when in my after I took that workshop that I uh, that told mm-hmm. you that translated uh, shamanic stuff into contemporary language. 
And my ex-wife, when they called me, because I, I told her about the, getting rid of headaches and stuff like that. So she, one day she called me up and said, you know, you do weird things. I have a problem in my stomach. Do you think you can do something at a distance? And sure, I can try. So time passed. She was uh, somewhere else in Southern, Southern California. Um, and one night I said, oh, I need to do this. So, so I concentrated and I was um I don't I don't I didn't know that this was possible, right? I concentrated um the technique is very simple. It's just imagination, active in imagination. Huh? Mm -hmm. Imagine you are watching a film like it's like a movie screen, project the the person in there and you can see through the body. If you see something dark, take it out or clear it in some kind of way. Very simple. <clears throat> so I did that, but I, given that I, I I knew her very well, I had the picture of her in my mind. So I went and and did what they they taught me to do, which is the take the 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 organs out of the body and look at them against the light to make sure that there's not something wrong with there. So I started brain heart, lungs, stomach, and so on. So I didn't find anything. <coughs> so I forgot about it. And then she called me one day, and she said, I I'm in the area. I want to meet with you. Okay, so what happened? So I need to meet with you. So I said, okay. So I, <laughs> I <laughs> we met, and first thing, she said, what did you do? I said, I don't know. What are you talking about? We are divorced. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going in a different direction. He said, no, no, no. One night, I saw you coming into my room. You took my heart out, looked at it against the light, and put it back. <laughs> she had no way of knowing that. Hmm. So I thought, okay, now this is very intense. She says, never do that again. I'll, I've never done it again, <laughs> unless the person knows that I'm going to do it. Okay, so so the difference, even though she gave you permission, there wasn't uh, the she didn't the, expect that. Yeah, she yeah yeah yeah. Uh, interesting. That's an interesting story. Yeah, it, it's very. It's it really. Uh, it's one of those that freaked me out and really taught me. Okay, can you see spirituality, right? <laughs> like well, but it's also it's so interesting about you know. The specifics of permission. Yes. You know, yes. there's the general permission, and clearly here, there was another level that, that she um, was able to intuit. She hadn't agreed to. Right. Well, the right. other, I guess right. the other question is, uh, on the permission, is uh, in this story, what she was agreeing to was kind of more like, I really don't believe in any of this BS, uh, yes. but yeah, sure, go ahead, do something. Yes. What, what, uh, it was, uh, it, she wasn't actually saying, right, uh, from a place of like that you can actually do this, you know, mm -hmm. come heal me. It was more like, hey, you know, if that works, for, you know, whatever. Yeah, and that's a, yeah. that's a very different thing because it's like it, is. it uh, uh, when it's real, then all of a sudden it's like, do I really want to know this? <laughs> right, exactly. Now I'll tell you another one that was also very interesting. When I was getting my doctoral degree, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we had a, a group of friends. We were about five, six friends just talking from the program. And all of a sudden I looked to my left, and, and, I, and I, I saw my friend just holding her head. 
Uh, and I said, are you okay? And she said, no, I have a horrible headache. And, and she, she says, can you do something? She knew I did. I, I, I had contact with Lauren. And so she says, can you do something? I says, well, sure, sure. So I went behind her. <coughs> the healing always, I don't carry the energy all the time, right? It, it, I just carry enough energy to, to maintain compassion and regulation within myself, but mm -hmm. not for healing. So I had to open my, my energy uh, at that moment because I started to move my hands and around her head, and I noticed that it was it was not moving, so I said, "So, so I'm going to do something different. So don't, don't don't get scared." So I blew very hard on the back of her neck, and she almost fell down. And she said, "What did you do?" I said, oh, "Don't worry about it. So, uh, it'll go away uh, in, in a couple of minutes." Now, given that she was like she was going to fall, I had to grab her, right? I went back into the circle, and I forgot to close my energy. Mm. I turned to the lady next to, next to me that I didn't know her before. I looked into her eyes, and she got really angry. She said, what are you looking at? She said, I'm sorry, I'm not, I don't know. And then she left. She came back next week to the, to the class, and she apologized. She said, I'm sorry for that response. It's not your fault. And said, what happened? And she said, well, um, you looked into my eyes and you knew who I was. And this is what I want people to, 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 um, to get from me, who I really am. And nobody has been able to do it. And you are a total stranger and you knew me. It's like, you freaked me out. I'm sorry. I, I, it was not my intention. It, it was my fault because I did not close my energy, and that, that's what you felt—that I was I mm. was getting something, but I wasn't, right? So I, I I just looked into your eyes, and that's it, right? So yeah, very careful with asking for permission, mm. including I get a lot of requests of people <coughs> requesting healing for someone they know. And and always ask, did you ask for permission? No, I cannot do it. Yeah. Now, there's another uh, thing about this, right? I don't know if I mentioned this, but uh, um, sometimes, I yeah, I think I mentioned that. I know that someone is sick, and my, my teacher said, never offer your services, so I cannot tell them anything. So they need to come to me to ask for healing. And some people do, it's interesting. But but if if they don't ask me, I I'm not allowed to to share anything that I pick up, and it's weird because once in a while there are some people who are so transparent. It's wonderful because it's, they are very innocent in a way, but uh, I see that there are, there is an issue going, and so, okay, I don't have to say anything. So yeah. I'm very very careful with that. But we are uh, almost out of time here, so which uh, wow. uh, the, t the time uh, <laughs> seems has, to fly has flown by. by. <laughs> but I, I did, wow. did want to ask that uh, you are uh, retiring from your teaching work yes. and moving to Mexico soon. Right. Uh, it's it's much more clear now that uh, you're moving into another career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, writing. I'm, I'm I'm also writing a yeah. book about all this stuff. So. Oh, that's that. That's wonderful. Well, um, I mean, what, what immediately arises for me is I would love to read that book and have you back on the show when that sure. book um, 
uh, finds its way to to us. So um, yeah. let us know, please, because yeah. that would be that would be wonderful. Yeah, and also um, um, an, another piece of work that I need to finish is a book about Lauren. My experience. Oh, yeah. wonderful, wonderful! I have many videos, many recordings, many photos. So it's going to be some photos and some stuff. And, oh, and it's it's, it's an honor to him and to 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 the people, the Pomo people who have been so kind to us to let us yeah. let us go to, to the to the roundhouse and mm-hmm. and really learn there with him. So so it's it's a way of. Of, of giving something back. Yeah, and if anyone wants to get in touch with you, is is there um, a way to contact you that uh, you're comfortable? Oh, oh boy, <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, what do we do here? Um, how do we do it? Yeah, well, it's okay. I, I, I'll give you my email. Uh, it's dr like doctor Antonio Ramirez H at gmail.com if, uh, if 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 I get to m- many emails I'll, I'll be slow in answering back yeah. well, <laughs> I, I mean I think also people can you're you're not invisible on the web there's a, a CIAS uh, right. uh, email which presumably you'll have an alumni account right. Right. or an emeritus account so, right. so there's ways, ways for people to find you yeah yeah if, if they if people don't find me they will if they are really looking for someone they will find someone yeah exactly but but, exactly. but again go with your intuition not with uh, how flashy people look <laughs> right that's always good advice and, yeah. and and i think every realm i think so and then, and i'll uh, give credit to rob's intuition for inviting you on the show it's been a uh, a lovely conversation and really appreciate it well thank it's, you very it's, much it's well. been fa- it's been fabulous really oh thank great. you it's very very perfect perfect and more than I hoped for, had reason to hope for. So uh, this has been delightful. Thank you. Thank you. For for me, it's been wonderful meeting you both. Thank you. You have been listening to The Mystical Positivist. This is your host, Stuart Goodnick. This week on the show, co-host Rob Schmidt and I have been speaking in the studio with Professor Antonio Ramirez Hernandez, a faculty member at the California Institute of Integral Studies, where his interests include gender studies, especially concerning masculine identities, the psychological impacts of culture on individuals and families, and transpersonal psychology, including shamanic healing practices. Next week on the show, we will be running an encore uh, presentation while um, we participate in the uh, San Francisco Cherry Blossom Festival. That will be on uh, Saturday, April 13th from uh, 4 to 6 p.m. And then uh, a week later, we'll have uh, Brad Warner talking about um, uh, Dogen's work, which he uh, uh, translates as sit down and and don't be a jerk. (laughs) So um, we'll, we'll look forward to that on April 20th. Upcoming on the spiritual calendar in Sonoma County, follow your dread to the mystical heart. That's with the Taya Meditation Center staff. That monthly meeting will be taking place uh, in, on Wednesday, May 1st at 7.30 p.m. at Mini Rivers Books and Tea, 130 South Main Street in Sebastopol. Story has it that in the very bottom fissure of hell, the deepest recess glowing with unquenchable fires, a simple drain cover lies unnoticed. Find and remove the cover. Descend through the narrow drain and emerge into the highest, most radiant realm of heaven. If this metaphor resonates with something in you, our practice group work that focuses upon follow your dread may resonate still more deeply. No one can be divorced from or denied access to the mystical heart. 
but to open and then live within the mystical heart of the world and ourselves as a cost. We don't get there by denying, sweeping under the rug, or putting aside the aspects that we dislike of who we have been. The mystical heart receives the light and the dark without judgment. So in our group and individual practice, we seek to cultivate a heart-mind that holds all contents of consciousness simultaneously with discernment and without discrimination. Following your dread is an undertaking best accomplished in the company of fellow travelers and with guidance from others who have gone before. Join us once a month at Many Rivers in downtown Sebastopol to learn more about the realistic path to the mystical heart. At the Thursdays at Many Rivers event this week in Sebastopol, that's Thursday, April 11th, Bereavement and Past Life Trauma. That's with Terry Daniel, Ph.D., author of A Swan in Heaven, Embracing Death, and Turning the Corner on Grief Street. This talk by Dr. Terry Daniel is a preview of a workshop in Sebastopol the following weekend. Regarding the workshop, she writes, If you're grieving a loss of any kind, or if you're a professional working with loss and grief, this workshop will introduce you to a unique perspective of how losses from our past lives inform the way we experience grief today. Through hands-on experiential processes, we will explore trauma, grief, and loss through the lenses of psychology, theology, and spirituality, with a specific focus on our past life experiences and their influence on our current relationships, our styles of coping with loss, and our emotional and physical health. The workshop will be facilitated by Dr. Linda Backman, a licensed psychologist and regression therapist who has been in private practice for more than 40 years, and Terry Daniel. Uh, and she's an end-of-life educator certified in death, dying, and bereavement by the Association of Death Education Counseling and founder of the annual Afterlife Conference. We also want to give you a, a heads-up on a special event at Many Rivers the following week, and that is Native Middle Eastern Spirituality, an evening with, Douglas, Doug, excuse, excuse me, an evening with Neil Douglas Klotz. That's on Tuesday, April 16th at 7.30 p.m. Neil will read short excerpts of his most recent books, tell a Sufi story or two, and answer whatever questions come about Jesus and Aramaic, uh, about Native... Middle Eastern tradition and crazy wisdom in general. Neil Douglas Klotz, Ph.D., is a renowned writer in the fields of Middle Eastern spirituality and translation and interpretation of ancient Semitic languages of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Arabic. Living in Scotland, he directs the Edinburgh Institute for Advanced Learning and for many years was co-chair of the Mysticism Group of the American Academy of Religions. A frequent speaker and workshop leader, he's the author of several books. His, work, his books on the Aramaic spirituality of Jesus include Prayers of the Cosmos, The Hidden Gospel, Original Meditation, The Aramaic Jesus and the Spirituality of Creation, and Blessings of the Cosmos. His books on a comparative view of native Middle Eastern spirituality include Desert Wisdom, a Nomad's Guide to Life's Big Questions, and The Tent of Abraham. His books on Sufi spirituality include The Sufi Book of Life, 99 Pathways of the Heart for the Modern Dervish, and A Little Book of Sufi Stories. His biographical collections of the work of his teachers include Sufi Vision and Initiation, that's about Sam Lewis, and Illuminating the Shadow, about Moedin Jablonski. He's also written a murder mystery set in the first century C.E. Holy Land, entitled A Murder at Armageddon. Most recently, he's been editing a new series of books by the social activist, ecological, and deep mystical writings of Syrian-American mystic Khalil Gibran. 
Thank you for joining us once again for the Mystical Positivist. Podcasts of all our shows can be found at www.mysticalpositivist.blogspot.com, as well as commentary and discussion of topic of interest to the show. Also, please send comments and feedback to mysticalpositivist at gmail.com, and join us again next Saturday. We leave you with the title track from the CD, Round Midnight, performed by the uh, 12 cellists of the Berlin Philharmonic. Enjoy. Thank you.